Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, seated in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Dorian. So good to be here, Deacon Jeff. I know it's good to be here. We're, it's a good day to be alive, isn't it? It is a good day to be alive. Well, it's a greater day to be alive today because we've got the bishop and joining us again. That's exactly right. So we're always excited when our bishop comes to visit us here at the Catholic Cafe. We laid out the uh, the really nice napkins, got the cloth napkins again. Got the china going. Yeah, so we're all set. He's going he's gonna to be really impressed, I hope. I hope so, too. <laughs> well, he's here with us, so we'll see if he's impressed. Bishop J. Terry Steib, uh, he's a bishop of Memphis and Tennessee, and we're we're so happy to have you here, Bishop. It's great to be here again. Thank You're you. always welcome at the Catholic Cafe in the luxurious corner booth. We always we got a little spot that says reserved for Bishop Steib. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's all okay. set for you. <laughs> we are here to talk about your latest pastoral letter. Uh, we love when, uh, when our bishop writes uh, pastoral letters because this is a time when when the bishop is uh, speaking from his chair and wants all of his flock to to hear what he has to say, and we're always excited to hear about that. And this is really uh, this is part two in a three part series, is it not, Bishop? That's correct. Yes, um, it's entitled "Living Our Catholicism." Who do you say that I am? Uh, and so, obviously, you're you're touching there on that great moment in the Gospel of Matthew when Peter. Uh, recognizes Christ as Christ, right? And yes. so you did an entire pastoral letter sort of based on that and how that ap- might apply to us. That's correct. Um, just so that we would know what does Christ mean to us in our day? What does Christ mean to me? I know what Christ meant to Peter and his proclamation and affirmation that came out with that. But what, who do we say Christ means to us in our day today? And that's an important question that we need to ask ourselves because it would be fine if we could just read a nice little story in that nice little storybook called the Bible. But really, the Bible's more of an instruction manual, isn't it? It's more of a, an inspirational manual for us to, to do something with. That's right, for us to do and also for us to live. And how do we incorporate that into our everyday lives so that we are living the gospel Living the Scriptures today. Now, one of the neat things I thought about this particular pastoral letter was you actually put a preface on the front of this pastoral letter, and you make comment there about while you were writing this pastoral letter, or at least parts of it, you were looking out your window, and you were, you were noting the weather and the changing weather conditions, and you wanted us to know that. Can you expound a little bit about that? I, I wanted people to know that because, you know, I find God in nature, and nature speaks to us, you know, about God. And part of what I was noticing as I was writing this letter, the dying and the rising that was taking place, much like a reflection of our own life, you know, how we have our ups and downs, how we die to one in order to rise to another. And that reflects also Jesus Christ. I mean, his dying and rising for us, for our sake. So I was trying to give a, a context to that to our people so that they would understand more, not just a theological portion of that, but a practical everyday application of that. I love how you put it in the preface here. It says, the many signs of dying and rising around us not only teach us about, but also can connect us more intimately to the one who died and rose for us. Fall and winter are times for remembering that 
given time, much of what dies will live anew. And that's hopeful. That's That's hopeful hopeful there. That's right. Well, now, you also mentioned as we move on into this document, in the introduction of this document, another important thing, kind of a side note I wanted to discuss a little bit before we got into the meat of uh, of this document here, is that you mentioned that you have a wish that we would discuss items of our faith, discuss our faith with our friends, with our family, but also our, our co-workers. Why is that so important that we, that we have these discussions, even outside our immediate you know, realms of existence? Well, I wanted us to bring our faith into real life actions you know, for us. I wanted to bring it into the marketplaces of our lives wanted to bring it into the everydayness you know of our lives and not be afraid to talk about our faith or to ask questions about our faith so that we can learn more about our faith from one another and be able then to really then be the disciples of Jesus in today's world. We live in such challenging times and a lot of times we put the own challenges ourselves we try to be so politically correct we're, we're scared to mention the name of Jesus in public and Wow, how can you be an evangelist if you're not going to talk about your faith? It doesn't mean you have to bully anybody, but those discussions are wonderful, beautiful opportunities to share the love that we have for Christ and that Christ has for them as well. That's right. And and one of the other parts was that I was trying to, very often when people write to pastoral letters, you know, it's something you find on the bookshelf, you know, and others would read it if they have time to read it. Well, what? Rather than take it from the top down, I wanted to take it from the bottom up. So I was encouraging, I wrote it in a way where people would want to read it with the discussion questions so that they could learn about it in, the, uh, in their ordinary lives and then build it up to, uh, to the top. So that, that I thought was a good way for me to do it. Very good, very good. Now, as we get into the, the meat of your pastoral letter here, right, the subject matter, now we're talking about Jesus Christ and who we think Jesus Christ is, and who is he to us. And, you know, first you want to start by building a case about Jesus. You want to talk about Jesus' life. We speak of, uh, or you speak of, his, his historical nature. We know that he was there, that he was a real person. Yes. You talk a lot about uh, where he came from, his, his probably pretty meager upbringing in a small little, little town that wouldn't even be a dot on a map really uh, in our, our, near our big cities here in the United States. But, uh, that, and the other interesting thing was that most of his life is hidden from us. We don't even know what happened to him. We see a little sliver in these Gospels. And why is that? It's, that's hard for us to remember, isn't it? That's, that's hard for us to contemplate. Uh, yes, because most of the time we just see Jesus through the, uh, the writer's uh, points of view, and it's just that the period of his public life without realizing that there was a longer period that Jesus had where he was just like you and me, just living his ordinary life. Yeah, the, the phrase you use in here is utter ordinariness. Yes. You know, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great way to understand where Jesus spent most of his time. It wasn't always at the top of the hill preaching. That's he right. was at the bottom of the hill preaching with his life right. for most of it, wasn't he? That's right. And you notice when he made his first proclamation uh, saying that scripture is revealed in your presence today. The, uh, the gospel says, you know, that uh, he had gone to the synagogue as was his custom of doing, meaning that he'd been going there before without necessarily proclaiming anything. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later because he wasn't really accepted either. That's right. Was it because he was such an ordinary fella? Right. Uh, absolutely. Now, another interesting concept as you're sort of building this is you're talking a little bit about the impact that Jesus had on those that he met. And, uh, for instance, you give a couple of biblical examples. You talk about the woman, uh, the Sumerian woman at the well. You talk about Simeon. You talk about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And here Jesus meets them in their everyday lives. Why? What, what's significant about this concept? Well, Jesus meeting them in the marketplaces of their lives, in their, in their ordinariness, was dealing with them and talking to them. And they, in turn, were learning about Jesus. Well, not just learning about Jesus, but learning who Jesus was. And in that learning process, he sees they see him as, we're the ones changing because we're learning about him. We're being transformed. We get to know, to know Jesus more than just what we have heard. Right. And you, you outline a specific di- uh, difference between knowing about and knowing. What, what, what is that difference? Well, n- knowing about Jesus is what we may have heard, what we may have read, uh, what others may have told us about him. But knowing Jesus is like, like knowing a friend. I don't necessarily, I don't just know about you. I know you because I am in relation with you. I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm hearing you and, and you're and hearing me in the process. So it becomes something that's, that's more intimate than just hearing about someone. And to know someone is, is truly a transformative event then. It, it actually changes you that's right. and that's who right. you are. That's right. And I love the way you say this in, in this pastoral. It, you say, this knowing Jesus changes everything. Simeon, the woman at the well, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and countless others in the Gospels and throughout church history had heard of Jesus and knew some things about Jesus. But it was in their personal encounters with Jesus that they came to know him in such a way that they were changed from the inside out. That's correct. That's correct. So it's, it's just that transformation that takes place that creates a deeper relationship, you know, with, with Jesus that changed them. So they could go out and say, come and see the person whom I have been talking to, whom I now know. Now, where do we maybe get some inspiration there? What does that tell us about us in our ordinary lives in terms of are we never going to know Jesus unless we go to a church or go to some holy place or uh, stand next to the Pope or something like that, you know? Or will Jesus know us in the everyday life? That's, that's I think, where you're starting to get to the, and, the crux of it. And that's the beauty of it all, where Jesus... You know, comes to people in the ordinariness of their lives. And I think this, the same thing is happening to us. Jesus comes to us. Unfortunately, we don't always see that because we were expecting to find Jesus in the church or to find Jesus in some great event. But it's in the ordinariness of our lives that Jesus comes. And in those that ordinary point is where he touches us and the transformation begins. And the truth is we, we do find Jesus in church, right? That's we do true. find That's Jesus true. at these other high That's points true. and these high events, but That's really we're cutting his impact in half or more if we eliminate or compartmentalize and only find him in those places when really 
He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in all of our daily mm-hmm. existence. And that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have so much more to talk about on this subject. We're going to continue on uh, with the Bishop's Pastoral in just a moment. But first, I want to remind everyone that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And uh, would love you to come and visit there, find out more about the Catholic Church. And also, I'd love you to email me at... Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so if you want to know more about knowing Jesus, you'll want to come back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Jesus asked Simon, a simple fisherman, if Simon knew who he was. But who do you say that I am, he asked. Simon's reply, preserved for us for all eternity by the church and sacred scripture, came with confidence and certainty. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus affirmed Simon's answer and in fact gave to him a new name, a name that would live on in great significance and echo in the halls of the Vatican for the next 2,000 years. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. Yes, from that point on, everyone now knew Simon by his new name, Peter, or Rock. As is evidenced by sacred scripture, Whenever God changed your name, it denoted a time of great significance in the history of salvation. Abram became Abraham, Jacob became Israel, Saul became Paul, and now Simon became Peter. Yes, Peter was to witness a significant moment in the history of the church and to live out the significance as the first to take the office of Pope or Papa, father to the church. Interestingly, there was another man who recognized Jesus as the Christ. Yet he was not placed in an office of church leadership and his name was not changed. It was Nathaniel. Jesus called him an Israelite in whom is no guile. When Jesus told Nathaniel of a vision he had had of Nathaniel under a fig tree, Nathaniel realized who Jesus was and exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. A truthful and bold proclamation indeed, yet Jesus still did not change Nathanael's name. This must have been because while Nathanael realized the truth of Jesus' identity, mission, and purpose, he was not to be the rock on which Christ built his church. Peter was to be the sole claimant to the title of Rock of the Church, the first to hold the office of Pope. Peter did indeed recognize Jesus for who he was for the people of God nearly 2,000 years ago. The question becomes, do we recognize who Jesus is for us nearly 2,000 years later? How would you answer if Jesus asked you, who do you say that I am? I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're still here. Tom, you still here? I'm still here. Bishop, you still here? I'm still here. We're all still here, and that's great. And we're still talking about this wonderful uh, pastoral letter of the bishops, Living Our Catholicism, Who Do You Say That I Am? 
And now we want to turn the page here and start talking a little bit about the message of Jesus. We've talked about who Jesus was and where he came from, and maybe the challenge for us to see Christ in the ordinariness of our lives. What was the message that he was, that he was preaching? Well, Jesus' message was about love, first of all, that God is love. And Jesus then embodied that love. And in embodying that love, showed us how we need to live our faith and how we need to be in service to others, to be, as it were, the face of Jesus to others in that love. And I love the way you say it in in this uh, uh, pastoral. Jesus did not merely preach a message of love and leave it at that. Jesus enacted his preaching in ordinary daily living in the manner in which he related to others. And you go on to say he embodied the message he proclaimed. So he walked the walk and he talked the talk. talk. He did it all. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe it's not even enough just to say that that he embodied the message. Let's put an exclamation point on that and say he, he was willing to die on a cross for us. And that was the ultimate sign of love, this willingness to die for others, to die for us. And uh, that is the, you know, the, ri- the dying and the rising that Jesus brought for us, which we can reflect in our own lives. And there we go. We see what the reason why you put that preface in there yes. about seeing the dying leaves that were telling us that spring, a new spring was coming. Yes. Why is it such a challenge for us to understand that we need to live in the same loving manner that Jesus lived? We're asked to die to some things as well, aren't we? Yes, we are. And many times we are doing it. We just don't realize it. You know, for me, it's like sometimes I'm dying to the frustration that I have in order to exercise the patience, you know, that I need. Sometimes I need to die to the bitterness that I have, you know, in me or the anger that I have in me in order to live and rise to the life of love, you know, with others. So it's it's uh, it's like like the leaves, like the trees. You know, we're we're constantly up and down, dying and rising again to keep on going, bringing life new, much like Christ. But Bishop, that sounds easy to do when you say it like that. But man, I got to tell you, Tom, isn't it hard to die to some of the stuff that we've grown accustomed to oh, loving very, so much? Very difficult. Yeah. So really, this I mean, there, there's a challenge here, and that's the challenge for us. Yeah, that's the challenge for us to understand what Jesus really was doing and why Jesus really is our Savior in this, and what he what was the real message he was teaching us. And it's beautiful that you can also look at the history of our church and you see those that died. You know, you look at the blood of the martyrs. That's right. These are men and women that died for the faith. They died for what they believed in. They put it all on the line. So they took this transformation that Jesus did for them, and they went and lived it, didn't they, in their death. And that's what made them the disciples of Jesus. But really, in our ordinary, everyday lives, we have plenty of opportunities in which to die to things that would separate us from God. That's right. And it's there before us all the time. It's what I call doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well. Well, you also say it so beautifully here. Only in dying to the things that keep us separated from God do we come to know Jesus, Mm -hmm. who died to all the things that make way for love. It is only in dying to all that is not life that we are able to rise to new life and to truly live Jesus in our world today. That's That's beautifully put, beautifully put. So now we finally kind of come to, well, the title of your pastoral. Who do you say that I am? 
And you sort of rephrase it in here and you say, who do we say that he is? You know, who is Jesus to us? And so we have to ask that question to ourselves now. This is an important question. Why is it so important? Well, it's important because then what happens when we ask that question of ourselves? Who is Jesus to me? And how do I reflect that Jesus in my life? How do I reflect Jesus in the difficulties that I'm having? How do I reflect Jesus in my service to, to others? So it's a whole transformation that begins to take place in us when we begin to realize how important we are. Yeah, in your letter you say, how do I live, Jesus? That's right. I love that. Right, and so if you Mm -hmm. ask that question, if Jesus was asking you that, who do you say that I am? If you said, you're Jesus, you're the Christ, you're my Savior, you're the Messiah, you're the one who has come Mm -hmm. that that has been Mm -hmm. prophesied Mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. If you say that and you believe it, then you come to know it. You're challenged, and you've got to live that same mm-hmm. loving way that Jesus lived. That's right. And it's no longer just knowing about, it's knowing Jesus. You rightfully point out that it's not enough to memorize all the tenets of our faith, right? We have mm-hmm. to live our faith. We're not trying to just pass a pop quiz. There's not some quiz at our death, mm-hmm. and uh, God's going to say, now, uh, what are the seven sacraments? And, you know, it's good to know these things because mm-hmm. you want to be able to live your Catholic faith, right? But you've got to physically live it out and this is where our catholic teaching on faith and works comes in into place not enough just to simply believe james told us that if we simply believe but we don't act on that it's a dead faith that's right so we're led then to some challenging questions once we answer that question of jesus's so Mm -hmm. now it's it's going to cause us to sort of see things in a different way and now we're forced to ask other questions and you point them out here i want to read a few of these and see if the folks who are listening are able to answer these questions right Okay. okay who is jesus to me what difference does jesus make in my life do i live my life in communion with jesus Do the daily choices I make reflect a desire to love as Jesus loved? In difficult times, do I turn to Jesus for strength and wisdom? Do I know deep within me that in Jesus God became human in order to show me that God's love for me is greater than I will ever understand? These aren't simple questions, and you're not going to answer these in a couple of minutes, are you? No, it's where you have to go into the inner depths of yourself to really ask this question and decide... You know, what? who is Jesus to me? Now, when one is going to act on these, you need to take these questions, right? And you need to now apply them to the world. And that's what you do next in this pastoral. And so we have more questions to ask. So based on the answers of those previous questions, once you determine who Jesus is to you and whether you actually know Jesus, this is going to drive you to start to look deeper in your world, your daily events, all the things that you do, and your encounters with other people, and then start to challenge you about, well, I got some more questions. And you point them out here. Who do I say Jesus is when I encounter the less fortunate than I? Less fortunate in education or material goods. And we Mm -hmm. we see that all the time, don't we, Bishop? That's right. That's right. Right? Every day. (laughs) And then we also ask, who do I say Jesus is when I encounter persons whom society marginalizes because of their poverty or their general appearance, right? We, we, we are so quick to, uh, to compartmentalize people. And to pass judgment on them mm-hmm. and, and put them into a system or into a category without really looking at the Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I think, again, this gets really to the heart of the matter 
uh, I'm not going to speak for you, but I really think what you're saying here is that if we if we say that Jesus is Jesus, if we know that Jesus is the Christ, and we know what He was about, and we know what He wants of us, we have to act in a certain way. We have to change the way we would normally come to think. And that's the transformation in us that needs to take place to demonstrate our faith in Jesus. Encountering Jesus in our everyday lives and coming to know him. And this, of course, can be challenging. That can be challenging. In fact, it's good <laughs> if it's challenging, right? That's good. Because we know we're changing. Makes, that's right. <laughs> we know we're changing. And we're doing this in the ordinariness of our lives. And I love the way you sum it up here in uh, at the conclusion of this pastoral. To know Jesus is to be in love and to grow in love and to live in love. To know Jesus is to live with the desire that others will come to know Jesus as friend and Savior and to do all that we can to share this new life in Christ that we enjoy as Catholic Christians. To know Jesus is to try to live a life that reflects his love so that others will come to know him too. So it's not just about our relationship with Jesus. We have others to to tend, to help, to assist, don't we? That's correct. And that's what Jesus would do. And that's that's a reflection of the whole evangelization of ourselves, if you will, and, and helping to make a difference in our world. That's wonderful. Now, you do mention at the end of this pastoral letter here that we, we will reiterate that this is part two in a series of three about living our Catholicism. And what can we expect? Just give us a little precursor of what we might be expecting in that third pastoral letter. Or is it top secret? Oh, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in the works. We're, uh, we, we talked about Jesus. Who do we say that Jesus is to us? Next, I want to focus on us as the body of Christ. want to talk about the, the priesthood of Christ, which incorporates all of us. In our worship services, we want to talk about us as a sacramental church, as a sacramental people who will then go out and be able to proclaim as a whole body, as a a family, who we are. That sounds great. So we can't wait for that. This going to come out when next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no pressure, Bishop. Would that. <laughs> exactly. I know you don't have just a, a pastoral button on your computer that you hit and it spews out a pastoral. I know there's some work involved in that, and so we uh, we wish you well in that. We'll pray for you as your uh, as your the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to speak to us. So we look forward to that. Okay. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you for being a guest here again. We we love having you here in the Catholic Cafe, and uh, we wonder if it's, in closing, if you might uh, offer a blessing for our listeners okay good and gracious god we ask you to continue to be with us in the ordinariness of our lives may we constantly see you in ourselves in those around us so that we may continue to proclaim you as our savior we ask this blessing in the name of the father of the son and of the holy spirit amen, amen. thank you bishop you're welcome Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>